O Lord. Our gospel this morning is from St. Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1642. Luke records, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things which, with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Well, what things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came. And they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of their companions went to the tomb, and they found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish are you, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight." And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? They got up, and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, <coughs> and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. 
Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So, when Paul was dictating one of his letters to the church in Corinth, the Holy Spirit inspired him to create a short list of the people who saw Jesus alive after he had died on the cross. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8, Paul says this, I deliver to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. These words of Paul remind us that there were hundreds, perhaps a thousand, people who saw Jesus alive after he died on the cross. These accounts are not like modern-day sightings of, say, Bigfoot or UFOs or even Elvis. You know and have seen some of those shadowy, grainy, out-of-focus images. I don't know why they can't. I mean, they get a picture of my license plate from outer space, but we can't get a picture of Bigfoot. Anyway, you know that those out-of-focus images could be almost anything. They really could. However, these accounts of people who had conversations with Jesus, these are conversations of people who touched Jesus. These are conversations with people who ate with Jesus. These are not accounts of people who saw things out of the corner of their eye. These are not the results of wishful thinking. Now, many, many questions arise when we read the accounts of the resurrection in the Bible. One question that a person might ask is this, why is this particular account included while another account is left out? Well, the Apostle Paul indicates that there were many accounts of the risen Lord. And there really would not be enough room in a book to record all of them. Why did the Holy Spirit, is another question, inspire the evangelists to include these particular accounts? Why these ones? Well, today's gospel, it comes from the gospel according to Luke. And Luke's accounts of the resurrection begin very early in the day with the witnesses of the women at the empty tomb. 
And then there is the account that we heard earlier of the two disciples en route to Emmaus. And there is an account of Jesus appearing to the disciples as they gather together in Jerusalem, in the room. Finally, there's the account of Jesus appearing to the disciples as he ascended into heaven. Listen to this. There, there's a common thread to many of these narratives. The women, they encountered the angels at the empty tomb. And the angel said in Luke 24, verses 6 through 8, he said to them, Remember... Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day and rise? And the women remembered his words. And in today's gospel, we heard Jesus speak to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he said this, hard to hear, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And then, in the third resurrection account, Jesus appeared to the gathering of the disciples, and he said to them this, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning first in Jerusalem. Okay, what's the thread? In each instance, there is a focus on the Word of God. That is, the angels direct the women to the Word of God directly from the mouth of Jesus. Jesus directs the disciples to the Word of God written in Moses, the prophets, and in the Psalms. And today's gospel even tells us that Jesus hid his own identity while he explained the Scriptures. Do you remember while they were walking and talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went to them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Yes, Jesus hid his identity from these people, but he explained the scriptures. So as far as Jesus is concerned, it was more important for these disciples to understand the resurrection based on God's word. It was more important than for them to understand the resurrection simply by seeing Jesus in the flesh. The Word of God is very important to Jesus. Jesus scolded those two for failure to believe the Word of God. He said to them, O foolish ones, 
Jesus understands, Jesus understood that the Bible is not hard to understand because it uses difficult language. Jesus understood, Jesus understands that it is hard to understand the Bible because it says things that we do not want to believe. It's been attributed to Mark Twain. I shared this yesterday with the guys. Mark Twain is said to have spoken this. It ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It is the parts of the Bible that I do understand that bother me. So let me ask you this. What would happen if Jesus walked up to you and he talked with you? Would he say the same thing to you, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken? I know that I'm foolish, still foolish. I know that I am slow to believe. What about you? Why is, why is Jesus so stern? Why is he so insistent that we believe the Word of God? Why does he label those who are slow to believe as foolish? Jesus knows that the Word of God is the power of God. And after all, when we look at the creation, we know that it is God's Word that created it. God's word, he spoke everything into existence. And he continues to make it all work together. And in the same way, it is also God's word that delivers. God's word delivers salvation to you. And it delivers salvation to me. Jesus is not insistent about God's word just to give us something to do. He is insistent about God's word because it is the power of God unto salvation. The word of God is, is how God gives us gifts. The fact is, is that Jesus Christ himself is the word made flesh. John 1 verse 14. And it is through the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus himself still comes to us today. It is the very natural, very natural for us to ignore God's word or perhaps hear it improperly. Why? Well, when we hear that we broke the universe with our sin, it is natural for us to think that we need to fix it by not sinning. It's our, our human nature, our flesh, that desires a way for us to set things right. i got to pay this back. We want to make our own way back to paradise. And it makes sense to us that good and loving people go to heaven and that cruel and evil people go to hell. It makes sense to us that we should be able to improve our own moral character so that we can make ourselves worthy of heaven. 
And therefore, when God's Word tells us that we are all cruel and we are all evil, that we cannot save ourselves, we ignore it. And then we complain that it's too hard to understand. And when God's Word tells us that Jesus took the blame and the punishment for our cruelty and for our evilness, we judge that it is too good to be true, and we insist that there is something that we must do in order to earn our own salvation. Jesus will not. Jesus will not let us get away with that kind of thinking. He taught the Emmaus disciples the entire Old Testament is about him. He began with Moses, it says, and then the prophets, and he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He showed them in that little Bible study on the road, he showed them how the Old Testament proclaimed the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of the Christ. And Jesus teaches there is a single theme throughout the Bible, one single theme. It is like a scarlet thread winding its way through all the passages of Scripture. And that scarlet thread is Jesus himself. He teaches us that we have not learned the full meaning of any passage in Scripture until that passage teaches us something about Christ crucified and risen for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus said, he said exactly that to the Emmaus disciples. He said that they were foolish and that they were slow of heart because they did not believe in the scarlet thread of Jesus in all of Scripture. And I have to confess that I too do not see Jesus as quickly as I should when I read the Bible. And therefore, I too am foolish and slow of heart. How about you? Jesus, he doesn't say this to be mean. Instead, he says it so that we will know about the salvation that he earned for us with his suffering and death on the cross. He says this so that we will believe in him and live with him forever. He wants us to know the word. He wants us to know the word because it is through the word that we know him and through him that we have salvation. Eventually, Jesus revealed himself to the Emmaus disciples. They arrived at their home, and they invited Jesus to spend the night. And as they reclined for the evening meal, Jesus took the role of host, and he broke the bread, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them. And it was then, it was right then, that they realized that this is none other than Jesus risen from the dead. And just as soon as they recognized him, he disappeared from their sight. And it is interesting 
that they recognize Jesus in the breaking of the bread, for we also break bread. Jesus has given us a special meal using bread and wine. And he promised that when we celebrate this meal according to his instructions, he will take up residence in the bread and in the wine. And he will come to us in his very body and in his very blood. And in a way, that is similar to the Emmaus disciples, who also recognized Jesus in the breaking of the bread. Jesus comes to us in his word. He comes to us as his word falls on our ears. He comes to us as the word combines with the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper. In each case, Jesus reveals himself to us. He is with us just as he was with the Emmaus disciples. We have his promise. And by his promise, he gives us forgiveness, life, and salvation. In the name of Jesus, amen.